Welcome to Healthline 3. I'm Jade Belexa. Thank you for joining us. And I'm joined now by neurosurgeon Matt Hefner to talk all about robotic spine surgery. Thank you so much, doctor, for being here on the program. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. Well, let's get a little background on this. Tell me about this robot. Yeah, the robot is an exciting new technology. It's been around for a while, but it's been getting consistently better. It's a robot right now that assists during use for spine surgery that involves fusions. So it's going to help to make sure that any hardware that's implanted is put in as precise of a location as possible with the least amount of trauma involved. Mm -hmm. And let's go ahead and pull up that video so everybody can see it. Sure. What are we looking at here, yeah, doctor? So this is a video of a, uh, a demonstration. You can see the robot to the, the left side of this individual. And all it is is it's a computer screen that he selects what level he needs to work on. And the robotic arm just guides over to that spot. So he really has no other choice but to put the screws and hardware exactly where it needs to go. So the advantage here is that it keeps the incision smaller, it helps recovery, and it significantly decreases x-ray exposure for the surgeon and most importantly, the patient. So you can see here, you know, he's taking steps to get the, the bone ready for the screw and then he will be putting in the screw as well. So this is spine surgery right here? That's right, yeah. This is a demonstration of if, of if it was actually on a patient for a lower back fusion. Okay. So, so he's following the computer to know exactly where everything goes? That's right. So you see that little robotic arm that's guided over the back right there, and he's just putting all of his instruments through there. Okay. All right. So that's very interesting to, to mm -hmm. see there. And uh, that's what you guys are, are doing now to do yeah. spinal surgery. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's all about picking the right patient. Number one, most people don't need a fusion. Most of my patients, you know, if we do surgery, I try to avoid a fusion, but those who need it, it's extremely important that we be as precise and accurate as possible. And that's where this brings an advantage and it makes surgery faster, smaller incisions, and a quicker recovery for the patient overall. So robotic surgery for fusion patients. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, so uh, t talk about this for, for a little bit here. How does one go about getting this type of surgery? So first it's just an evaluation, just like any other doctor visit. So hypothetically say a patient comes to me with lower back issues. We start a workup that usually involves physical therapy, some basic x-rays, and then eventually to an MRI and other studies if possible. In general, my philosophy is the least invasive necessary to treat a patient. And so more times than not, you know, most patients don't require surgery. And I really try to save it for a last resort. And then fusion even more so. But if a patient, we have failed these things and they need surgery, and if they need a fusion, I think most patients are gonna find that they're a good candidate for this. Mm -hmm. and, and tell me the benefits of it. So the benefits are improved accuracy, so anytime you put in spinal screws, hardware, even without the robot, complication rates were low, but complications can happen. And complications can still happen with a robot, but it significantly decreases that chance of having to go back and fix something. The other benefit is that there's no guesswork involved here. So um, the incisions are kept as small as possible, less tissue damage with it, a faster surgery, and a quicker recovery for the patient. 
-hmm. In traditional spine surgery, when you're putting in hardware and implants, it involves an x-ray machine in the OR that takes lots of x-rays for every single step. This still requires some, but much less for the patient and the staff. It, it seems like spine surgery w would be a, a long and an intense type mm -hmm. of surgery. It can be. I yeah. mean, what, what is the differences in having this robot versus not? The differences in general are just more precise placement of the hardware, so more confidence for me and more confidence for the patient going into it. I think that they know that they're gonna have as safe of a surgery as possible. And even with the robot for larger complex operations, it can still be a long procedure, but little things like this help make the procedure flow better, move along at a better rate, and get the patient in and out of the OR as efficiently as possible. Mm -hmm. and, and what have you witnessed from the patients going through with this surgery? Yeah, so, so far, just a preliminary you know, experience with using this, this robot at willis and Bossier has been just that. Um, you know, patients are getting in and out of surgery a little bit quicker and going home a little bit quicker. And describe to me this concept of robotic spine surgery. Um, what is it like telling the patients about this mm -hmm. and, and are they receptive to this? They are. Patients like to know that their doctor is up to date as possible with the most advanced technology. And there's different robots for surgery. You know, um, a lot of other specialties have one robot where the surgeon sits away from the patient and it's almost like a joystick that controls an arm. This is a little bit different. And the big thing I try to tell patients is it's still me doing the surgery. It's me physically there helping to guide the robot arm to where it needs to be. If something's off, I can recognize that. And that's what I really want to impart to patients is that it's still me making every step of the decision and doing every step of the surgery myself. Mm -hmm. This is just a, well, almost like a GPS in your car to help make sure that you're getting to where you need to be in the most efficient way possible. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like a map. Yes. Kind of yeah. assisting you through it. Uh -huh. Kind of de describe to me as you're, as you're doing the surgery, I mean, you're looking at the screen. Mm -hmm. Walk me through it. So the traditional surgery for this would be, we get the patient asleep, we get them positioned and ready to start. And usually, you know, if you're not doing a robotic surgery, but it's still minimally invasive, you're gonna have x-ray machines in place. You're gonna take a lot of x-rays throughout the whole surgery where you are putting instruments where you think it should be, and then you're making minor adjustments every few seconds with an x-ray until you know you're at the exact location. The difference with the robot is you take just a few x-rays in the beginning, and then you're done with the x-ray machine. It can roll out of the way. And then from there, instead of more or less guessing and then adjusting your movements where it needs to go, the robotic arm, you select you know, we're gonna do L3 now. I push that on the screen. The arm moves in in about five seconds to the exact position where it needs to go and then seamlessly gets the hardware in. So you mentioned you're there doing the surgery. So does the, is the robot doing the surgery no, too? No, Okay. The robot's okay. not doing the surgery any more than your GPS is driving the car. Okay. It's still me doing everything. So the robot does nothing but just hold steady where the instruments need to go for me. Okay, so what would you say are the main advantages of the robotic spine surgery? The main advantages again are just gonna be faster surgery, improved accuracy, more confidence for the patient going into it that um, everything's gonna go well. 
So we were talking about the fusion patients. Who is a candidate for the technology? Patients who need a fusion, and that generally is going to be, it could be a patient that maybe came to the hospital after an accident and they have a fracture that needs a fusion to stabilize it. More times than not, it's going to be patients that I'm seeing in clinic that come in for elective surgery. Maybe they have an alignment issue or they've had prior surgeries and for whatever reason they need that stabilization with the fusion. Mm -hmm. And so anybody in my mind that's undergoing a fusion in the back would be a candidate for this. Okay. So what can you expect to happen after you get this surgery? Are there any complications that people should be aware about? Yeah. Or I mean, it, it, it would be the same set of potential complications, whether it's robotic or non-robotic. Mm -hmm. The complications are the same. And I tell everybody, you know, if you ever have a surgeon that says there's no complications, then you should walk away because just being purely objective and honest, there's always a chance of infection, bleeding. There's always a chance, even with the robot, that is, you know, a screw or a cage or something like that might not go in the best position and it might require going back to revise it. And again, that's the whole point of the robot for me for that last one. It really minimizes that. Okay. But the recovery in general, and the precautions that I take and the restrictions I put on patients are gonna be the same. But what I feel confident in is that because the surgery is gonna be a little bit quicker with smaller incisions, the time to recovery and getting back to normal life will be faster. How long does a person stay in the hospital after this type of surgery? It depends, it just depends. If it's a minimally invasive fusion with the robot, typically overnight, you go home the next morning. Um, if it is a larger surgery with multiple levels, then they could be in there for several days. Mm -hmm. But what I'm really looking at using this for is to incorporate it more into my minimally invasive fusions. Wow. Yeah. And so when someone goes home, I mean, what what is the outpatient kind of procedures like? Getting mm -hmm. back on your feet? Yeah. What, what do people need to do? So the typical thing that I tell people is you need to be moving. The last thing I want a post-op patient to do is to go home and to lay up in bed or on the couch. And it, you're gonna be sore, that's very normal, but the best thing that you can do is to walk. E even if for the first few days, you're just you know, walking to the restroom and back, and then maybe make it a goal if you have a small driveway to walk to the mailbox and back for the next couple of days. Um, but going home, moving around and, you know, Take it in easy as much as you can. Don't lift anything too heavy. And then eventually they're gonna find that by the time they get to about the six week mark is when we start lifting some of those restrictions and really pushing them more. Some people benefit from going to physical therapy as an outpatient. And we usually start that around the four to six week mark if it's needed. Okay. Uh, do you see the robotic spine surgery being a, more of a standard in the future? I think so. I mean, we're already seeing in the, you know, the leading hospital systems in the country and really around the world that this is being used more frequently. And, you know, there's a lot of technology and medicine that, that comes and goes. And, but I don't feel this is one of those because in my opinion, anything that we can do that decreases complication rates for patients and gives you an equal outcome from surgery should be a standard of care. So I think, um, you know, there was nothing wrong with a non-robotic way of doing things. You know, I did that obviously before we recently acquired it, but I think moving forward, it's going to be hard to ignore the technology and not incorporate it into your practice. Yeah. Is this more expensive than you would say uh, another form <clears throat> of? 
Yeah, I mean, surgery. the robotic system is obviously an investment for the hospital, but it's a good investment because it's an investment for our patients. Mm -hmm. um, is, that, is that something insurance would cover for a patient? Yes, I mean, the actual robotic surgery itself is not a separate charge. Okay, I got gotcha. you. No. Um, so how many other hospitals in the region have the Excelsius GPS robotic system? Um, Willis Knight and Bozier is the only hospital in the, in the region right now in the Arquitex that has the same system that I'm using, the Excelsius GPS. There are other robotic systems available at other hospitals in the area um, that have a similar concept, but specifically for this system I'm using, I'm the only one in the region. Mm -hmm. And tell me what's unique to this, to the Excelsius GPS. What's unique in my opinion is just the workflow is a little bit smoother. There's less steps involved in getting it ready to go and less steps involved for actually getting the, the, the fusion surgery done. Mm -hmm. And tell us more about the different conditions that you treat as mm -hmm. a surgeon at WK. Yeah, so neurosurgery is often confused with neurology, understandably. Mm -hmm. um, the, the big difference really is that neurology is gonna treat things that are treated with medications and like migraine disorders, multiple sclerosis, et cetera. Neurosurgery is gonna treat things that are needing surgery. So uh, the big thing that everybody thinks of is like, oh, you're, you know, you do brain surgery. And yes, that, that is a part of it, you know. So brain tumors, congenital defects that present in adulthood, um, multiple things that are treated like that, but the most common thing really is spine and neck issues, and that surprises a lot of people because they don't think of neurosurgery as you know dealing with necks and backs, but it is certainly a part of the nervous system, and you know thankfully there's more people out there with neck and back issues than there are you know brain tumors and things like that. So most of my practice is really involved in treating patients with neck pain, back pain what we commonly refer to as sciatica or that shooting pain that runs into the arms or legs. And I see patients at all stages of workup. So some patients come to me, they've already done everything that we can think of and they're at the point of needing surgery and we proceed. And a lot of patients come to me from their primary care and they're like, hey, you know, I've just been dealing with this for a while, haven't really done much and we get that process started for them. What's the point that someone needs surgery? At what point? Absolute last resort. Mm -hmm. It's never a first line option. There are some exceptions. The exceptions would be, say if you know someone comes in with a large disc herniation, say in their neck, for example, and they're having weakness, they can't hold things, they're dropping things, loss of bladder, bowel control. Those are the exception for me. Those are cases where you really need surgery to get that out and to relieve the pressure, but most of the time, for patients with back pain, neck pain, sciatica, without those other issues, I do a multimodal approach. So I incorporate a lot of physical therapy, home exercise practices, um, acupuncture plays a big role, medications, you know, not pain pills, but other types of medications to help treat the pain. And a lot of times I'll end up referring patients also to maybe pain management to try some injections that can give good lasting relief. And typically when we get to talking about surgery, our patients that have an issue that have done all of these things and are not getting a response with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I've always heard that once you have one back surgery, you gotta have more, is that true? Maybe, 
Yeah, that's what I tell people too. They're like, well, I don't want to have back surgery because I know somebody that had one and then two years they were having another. And sometimes that happens. And that is a higher risk with fusions because when you fuse one level, it puts more stress on the levels above and below. Mm -hmm. um, but with the newer technology that we have available, the hope is to decrease that risk. And that's another reason why I try to make surgery as a last resort because we have good technology that makes it very safe these days and minimizes it, but surgery, surgery, no matter how big or small. What is actually happen, happening during a fusion? Can you explain that? Yeah, so a fusion just refers to any sort of procedure where we are putting in hardware into the spine to stabilize it. So for spine surgery, I personally think about it as broken into two categories. We have non-fusion or decompression only surgeries and then fusion surgeries. So most patients don't need a fusion. So that would be a simple disc herniation. Usually you can get that out minimally invasive without having to fuse them. But if they're having a fusion, then that involves putting in screws and rods on either side of a segment in the spine, maybe putting in a disc replacer as well or a cage to help stabilize that segment and then you can do a decompression of any nerves that are pinched as well. Mm. That seems like that would be a lot of help for someone who needs it. Yeah, yeah, it really can be life-changing mm -hmm. for sure. Exactly, and I would imagine that, yeah, a lot of physical therapy should be happening after that as we were talking earlier and um, also, um, when you're going through the airport, that's going to set something off. <laughs> I get that all the time. People are like, can I go through the airport? You know, can I have MRI still? And by far the majority, yes, you mm -hmm. can. You're not going to be dinging off the security at airports. Yeah. Yeah. So um, how many people do you typically serve and, and how common are these types of back procedures, the fusions? They're common. I mean, um, you know, the, the trend in American healthcare right now is that back pain, just the, the cost of the American economy for treating back pain is becoming one of the highest costs in the country, you know, right up there with heart disease, cancer. So that says a lot, it's a real issue. Um, you know, I see a lot of patients that come in through clinic every day and um, a lot of them do end up getting surgery again as a last resort and a subset of those do undergo fusion procedures when necessary. What's causing all this back pain? What are we doing wrong? That's the million dollar question. Nobody really knows. I mean, <clears throat> a lot of back pain is, there's probably a, some genetic component that we just don't really understand because we'll see people like, well, my, my mom or my grandfather had it, had to have surgery. But for the most part, there's not really anything that patients can do to prevent it per se. Um, but what I tell people is what, a lot of doctors tell people for other things, it's just maintaining a healthy lifestyle. Um, being active helps. Having a strong core will also increase the muscle strength in your back that can in turn provide stabilization to the spine. So things like core exercises, yoga and Pilates are excellent for you know maintaining a healthy spine and back as well. Is there a certain age where you shouldn't be lifting heavy things? There's not a certain age. Certainly as, as, as we get older, you're going to be more prone to back and neck injuries. And so, you know, the, the, the key is to be mindful when you're lifting something. If it's heavy, you know, wait and get help to help you out. If it's something you can do on your own, you know, you want to keep the weight close to your body as you lift it up. Don't reach out and bend way forward to bend it up with your back. You want to squat down, 
keep it right at your stomach and chest and then bend your knees up to pick it up. Yeah, use your legs more so. That's right. Because uh, my stepfather, he told me, he's just like, I'm not helping you move anymore. Yeah. Uh, you know, because yeah. it, it's put a lot of strain and on its back moving things around. Yeah, so. and there's a lot of patients, you know, once they start having back issues, they're going to find that they're just more prone to it. You know, the, the common phrase is, I pulled my back out. And mm -hmm. I'll see people, they, they come and they're like, I pull my back out once, twice a year, and it lasts for a few days, and it's really rough, and then it gets better. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people like that, we just kind of teach about, you know, maintaining a good exercise program at, at home even, you know, just to maintain your core strength, just to decrease the frequency of that happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because definitely the, the back pain, it doesn't, doesn't seem to go away for a lot of people. It doesn't, mm -hmm. yeah. And that's where taking, again, like a multimodal or approach from different angles with different specialties can be very helpful from physical therapy to keep the muscles in your back strong and to keep yourself flexible with good range of motion to pain management for maybe some medications and injections. All of us work together very closely to try to keep these patients as comfortable as possible. Mm -hmm. Okay, so yeah, tell us if someone comes in saying they have severe lower back pain, mm -hmm. what are you gonna do for them? gonna try to really pry out what is bothering them exactly is it a daily thing is it not does it run or radiate into the legs or not usually we start <clears throat> with physical therapy before even getting an MRI most people come in and they think like oh we got to get an MRI and usually it's not necessary because most Americans you know over 90% of Americans are going to experience something like this at some point in, in our life and the good news is that another 90% of those will be just fine with very simple, inexpensive, non-invasive treatments. So a lot of it is just reassuring the patient that I think you're fine. You know, let's do some therapy. Let's get you involved in a program. Do it for a couple months. If they need some medications, maybe to anti-inflammatories, things like that, I do that with them. And then come back and visit again. And if it's not getting better at that time, then that's probably a good point to consider getting an MRI. Or if they come back and they're like, I feel fine. It's mostly better than no reason to do anything else, in my opinion. And then what if the opposite happens? They come in, something's wrong with their spine. What do you do there? Yeah, if they come in with like a real issue, a real concerning issue for me, being weakness, loss of bowel bladder control, things like that, then, you know, sometimes I see patients where it's only been going on for just a few days or a week, and if it's bad enough, I'll send them directly to the hospital sometimes to expedite treatment and workup. Or if it's more subtle, but definitely an issue, then a lot of times we just go straight for MRI as soon as possible, and if it confirms an underlying issue, then a lot of times we're talking about surgery up front. But a lot of people that come to see me are terrified. They are referred to a neurosurgeon. It's scary, you know, for their it's back. It's just the word. The yeah. neurosurgeon yes. word is, is it's, scary. It's intimidating to hear. and it's scary to a lot of people. And I think a lot of people are shocked. They come in and I'm like, I think you're going to be okay. Like, they're like, I don't need surgery. No. Like, I, you might, but I doubt it, you know. So there's like almost like a breath of relief for them. And. <clears throat> I think you know that's good to keep that in mind is that just because you're getting referred to a specialist of any kind, a surgeon, does not usually mean that you need surgery. It's just to get involved with somebody to follow you for it. Mm -hmm. So if you're having spinal issues, it can affect your bladder? It can. Okay. It can. It's a very specific type. You know, it's, um, 
sometimes as we age, you know, a little bit of incontinence or leak is normal, but a lot of times people with spinal issues, they can have, maybe they can't fully empty their bladder or they're going uncontrollably on their self. That's a very different thing than what we normally see in an aging population, but that is, that's very extreme. Usually by that point, you're having weakness in your arms or your legs, and there's a lot of other dramatic things going on before you get to that point. Mm -hmm. So what are some simple th simple signs to, to look for mm -hmm. if, if signs someone to, needs to be seen? Yeah, simple signs to look for, like what I always tell patients, like if they see me for their, say their back and sciatica, I say, you're good until next time. The red flag symptoms would be weakness in the foot or the leg, like maybe a foot drop where you can't lift it up, um, loss of bladder, bowel control, numbness in the genital area can sometimes show up in very extreme cases. Those are things that I tell people like, either call us right away or if it's after hours, you need to go to an ER. Other than that, most things are not emergent. Mm -hmm. That's good to know. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, call us if you guys have any questions. You can talk to the doctor live at 318-219-4569. We're here taking your questions. If you've got that lower back pain. I know many of you do out there because it's just one of those things that we all have to deal with at some point for sure. We have Megan on the phone. Megan, what is your question? Hey, um, I was calling because I've actually seen a spine surgeon and they've offered me a two-level fusion, but they didn't bring up anything about a robot. So I was wondering if Dr. Hefner sees people for second opinions and would talk about seeing if I'm a candidate to have robotic surgery because I'm interested. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. I see second opinions all the time. Um, and most of the times when I see a second opinion, I'm like, I agree with what your surgeon was offering, but you know, people come see me for the first time and I could tell if they're on the fence or not sure to go get a second opinion because you need to be the most comfortable. So without knowing the specifics of exactly what kind of surgery was offered, um, I'm more than happy to see you as a second opinion just to see if that would be something to consider. Definitely. Thank okay, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, Megan, thank you for that. Yeah, the robotic spine surgery sounds like a great option. Mm -hmm. Totally. So tell people your phone number. Um, phone number to the main campus is 212-7280. Okay. So that'll get you to Willis Knight and Bozier. My uh, office is located there in the pavilion building on the second floor. All right. That sounds good. So let's, let's talk again about this this robot and how does it differ differ from lap, laparoscopic surgery? Yeah, so it goes back to earlier when we were talking about there's different kinds of robotic systems in surgery. So a common one that has been out for a while is used a lot by OBGYNs, general surgeons, say for like a laparoscopic robotic assisted gallbladder removal. That is kind of an extension of the surgeon's arm. But again, this one is not laparoscopic. It sits outside of the patient. It's just kind of a guide port for me to work through. Mm -hmm. Well, it sounds like you guys have some wonderful technology up there that you're yeah. that you're working with. Yeah, we're very excited. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, thank you, Megan, for calling. If anyone else has some last minute questions, get them in before the show's over. We just have a couple more minutes. 
But Dr. Hefner, thank you so much for joining us today and, and getting all those questions in. I was so excited to, to hear about the robotic surgery. Just uh, the technology is just awesome. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad to be here. It's just like a lot of things in medicine, it's constantly changing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think this is something that's gonna stay around and you'll see more and more people doing it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you again, and thank you all for watching this Healthline 3. We have more Healthlines this week, so you definitely want to stay tuned. Two more coming up. So thank you so much again, and remember, you can call us anytime to get your questions answered during 12 to 12.30 during our Healthline 3 shows. And that's going to wrap us up for today, but Dr. Hefner was here to answer all your questions about robotic spine surgery, and you can watch this episode again on our Healthline 3 section of our website, that's ktbs.com. Thank you again.